How about that? That's better. I'm loud, but I'm not very loud this morning. Well, again, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Poe, to come up and read our passage from Ephesians this morning. Good morning. Um, Today we're in Ephesians 6, verses um, 16 and 17, found on page 817 in the Blue Bible. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. You may be seated. Like I said, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. My name's Chad Wilkin. For those of you who don't know me, and uh, thank you, Brett, for this opportunity to be here. It has been a year, uh, just a little over a year, since I had a chance to stand up here for the first time and share a message with you. And I must say, a whole lot has taken place in the last year since then in our lives, and I'm sure it has with you as well. Last time uh, we got a chance to stand up here, or I got a chance to stand up here and share with you, was introducing you to the ministry that my wife and I are privileged to lead. Baptist Collegiate Ministry uh, has been a, a, really a staple in uh, collegiate ministry here in Terre Haute for nearly 50 years, and we are uh, honored and privileged to be a part of, of that ministry. And we are extremely thankful Uh, to be in partnership with churches like FBN uh, that come alongside us, uh, prayerfully support us, and financially support us, as well as a number of individuals from this congregation who who do likewise. Really, we couldn't do what it is we do uh, without people like you. And so thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts this morning. Uh, When I stood here uh, a little over a year ago, I really still felt like kind of a guest here at FBN. We'd been coming here for a little while, but uh, we'd gotten to know Brett and the other staff, and really, uh, he, he gave us the opportunity to kind of share our vision for the ministry, and that was really a, a great opportunity to do that. As I stand here now, it, it feels like I'm among family, <laughs> and yet uh, some circumstances have changed, and we're not currently attending regularly here at FBN, uh, but I feel like God's, God's at work in that, and uh, and we're, we're thankful for what he's doing. I just want to say kind of on a personal level how thankful we are for, for uh, Brett, for Adam, for Brandon, uh, so many of you this morning who, who you've prayed for us, you've lifted us up, you've encouraged us, and, and some of you have attempted to move some mountains uh, in an effort for us to be a part of, of the ministry here at FBN, and we are truly humbled and thankful for that which is sort of a perfect lead-in to what I want to share with you from Ephesians this morning. Um, We continue just to be amazed at the heart of this congregation, and it's really just a truly a joy and a privilege for me to be able to share uh, from God's Word with you this morning. Over the years, uh, it's amazing how many times I have been asked to preach, uh, even churches I've not been the pastor of, on the very last Sunday of the year. It seems like pastors like to take off that last Sunday. They've had that build up to the, you know, through Christmas, and then they're like, I need a break. And so I have gotten to preach this Sunday a number of times, and I, I've come to kind of love that. And honestly, I'm a little surprised that Brett gave me an opportunity to preach today, because as you know, this is the very last Sunday in 2019, which means this is the very last sermon you will hear 
this year, which also means it will be the only one that you remember. <laughs> so my apologies ahead of time to Brett. LaDonna said I need to cut back a little bit, but you know, I've already decided you're probably not going to ask me to do this again, so you're just going to get them all. Um, it, it really, my greatest joy is to be able to help you kind of delete all of those horrible Cubs illustrations that Brett has used all year long. So go cards. All right. Well, before I dive into some thoughts on the shield and the helmet, let me pray for our time together this morning. Father, uh, as we enter into this time, uh, this worshipful time of getting into your word, Lord, we are so thankful uh, that you have given us this revelation, uh, that you have given us your word so that we can know the truth, uh, that we can be set free, and we can live a life of eternity with you. So God, open our eyes and our ears this morning as we, as we listen to the message together, uh, God, and uh, that you would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me look just one more time at those verses there, Ephesians chapter 6, 16 and 17. It says, in addition to all of this, and so Paul's already said a whole bunch of things, right, that we need to be doing. He says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, he talked earlier about this enemy that we all have who uh, has one mission, and that's to really just destroy our relationship with God. And then finally, it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of, the God, word of God, and we'll be talking more about that next week. But today, we want to deal with the, this helmet and this shield. Well, growing up, um, there was a word. I, sp I spent a lot of time with my grandpa, like every summer, would go uh, spend time with him. A couple weeks of my summer vacation were spent helping him in the garden and on the farm. And there were a lot of things he would ask me to do as a small child, and he, he would ask me to do something, and I wasn't sure if I could do it. And so he'd say, go do that, and I said, I can't. Well, he wouldn't let me get away with that. Uh, that word was not allowed. Can't, uh, he forced that out of my vocabulary completely as a kid. He would remind me when I came to those challenges that it was an obstacle. It was something I needed to get around or through, that it wasn't the end of the road, that I wasn't defeated just because this hard thing had, had, had come my way. And if there's anything that my life with, with Jesus has confirmed for, for me, it's that my grandpa was a pretty wise man. Uh, and there was a lot of wisdom in him teaching me that lesson when I was young. So this study of, of the armor this morning has us looking at these two pieces, the shield and this helmet, which Paul links to uh, faith and to salvation. And a few weeks ago, Pastor Brett did an amazing job of describing the necessity of shoes uh, for the battle, uh, specifically these shoes of the gospel of peace. And I really love this imagery of, of the shoes really being this vehicle for advancing the, the battle, the gospel, advancing the battle into enemy territory. Not that we're putting up this defensive sort of fight, but that we're taking the battle to the enemy. Uh, I've heard... <coughs> Excuse me. I've heard a number of sermons on the armor, and oftentimes the pastor will point out that there's a, there's a lack of armor for the back that the back is really exposed. And we'll make the point that that means that our lives are meant to be lived moving forward, that we're never supposed to retreat, that there's never a time where we kind of hunker down and, and retreat in, in our, our battle 
uh, spiritually. And so in my time following Jesus, I've sort of taken these two realities, this attitude of, of never giving up that my grandpa instilled in me, and this biblical idea of moving forward, and I've attempted to do that, just to keep moving forward, to keep learning, to keep growing, to never be satisfied with where I am, because I know that there's a battle that I'm called to engage. So as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about my grandpa, uh, who was probably the biggest baseball fan I have ever known. I started to wonder, like, if baseball had been around in, in the Apostle Paul's day, might he have used baseball gear, like a baseball player's uniform, as, as an illustration of, of the battle, of this, this warfare, sort of the same way he does uh, with, with the Roman soldier's garb. Well, Paul spent a whole lot of time under the guard of Roman soldiers, so this illustration, it makes perfect sense, and I'm not saying that we don't get it. I mean, uh, it's not like we're unfamiliar with war, unfortunately, but I grew up learning everything there is to know about baseball from my grandpa. So if I were writing this, I, uh, I might use baseball gear as an illustration of how to get ready for this battle in this game we call life. Um, I think it might make sense. So one of the, the biggest problems I think that we have in our Christian culture today is, is really a lack of biblical literacy, which is a direct result of a lack of biblical engagement, which in my humble opinion all stems from, I think, a feeling that God's word just isn't relevant to our lives. So another part of my reasoning for uh, thinking these things about these verses, maybe reinterpreting them into a baseball metaphor, uh, is because it's, it's more familiar to us. It's something we understand. The other part is that my grandpa was a huge Cardinals fan, and therefore I get to bring that up again. So, you know, if I could... You know, I would love for my preaching of God's word to be so engaging and my passion just to be so moving that every one of you would find this newfound hunger and desire just to, de to devour God's word. But I know I'm not that good. Brett's pointed it out multiple times. It, instead, let me just use this illustration. I'll just share a few things from my heart. I'll, I'll trust the Holy Spirit for the rest. So we're thinking about a uniform, a baseball uniform. It actually matches up pretty well. Uh, to the, the armor, um, ball player has shoes, right? The cleats of the gospel, right? <coughs> Got to have a belt, hold up those pants. Um, the jersey maybe kind of fits for the breastplate or I don't know, I like the catcher's chest protector, maybe a little better, uh, might work. Um, helmet, it's pretty much one for one, right? Baseball players have helmets too. Um, what about the shield? I don't know, I'm thinking maybe the glove, right? Baseball glove, that work? How about the sword? Come on. The bat, yeah, okay. Good, you're with me. All right, so I, I didn't do all the verses, but so verse 16 might sound like this. It says, in addition to all this, take up the ball glove of faith, with which you can catch all the screaming line drives of the evil one. I know it's silly, right? It's silly. But I think sometimes silly works just as well as serious. And if I'm honest, I'm a lot better at silly than I am serious most of the time. I, I think seriousness is actually part of our problem. We take ourselves way too seriously. We take our problems way too seriously. 
And as a result, I think we're busy, we're stressed out, and probably too stressed out to even kind of get what Paul's talking about here. And I know this has been covered, but I mean, I think it's worth saying it again, uh, because like I said, you're not going to remember any other sermons but this one. So go back to verse 13. Uh, It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. You see that little word there in the middle of that verse, may? Um, Other translations use a different word there. A couple different uh, translations I found use the word can and will instead of may in that verse. And I actually like both of those words a little better because I don't think you get any wiggle room with can and will. It's kind of like my grandpa wouldn't let me get away with can't because it stopped me, it defeated me, it let me believe that I couldn't find a way. I don't think we need to get away with may here because when we read this verse, I think it says something that we, we need to have full confidence in. We need to be absolutely confident in the truth of this verse. Paul's telling us, he's reminding us of some things that we already know, but the enemy causes us to forget. So if we put on this uniform, this armor, which this verse points out it, that it comes from God, that it's the uniform of our team, then we have victory. Not we might have victory, we will be able to stand. We, we can stand. If we doubt that, then we're being deceived. Imagine, just for, for instance, if a baseball player knew, like without a doubt, no matter what, um, what, what the outsider said, what the reporters said, all the commentators, all the prognosticators, they could say all the negative things they want and it wouldn't have any bearing whatsoever on the outcome of the game. But just because they put on the uniform, because they're on this team, because they're on God's team, the St. Louis Cardinals, they will always win. If you're on God's team, you always win. By the way, I just need to say, this is totally fair. He has all year to do all these Cubs illustrations. I got one shot. So imagine, imagine that. So you know without a doubt that you're going to win. That's the kind of power that we have at our disposal to win. You guys have, you've read the end of the book, right? Yeah? Yeah, you've read the end of the book. We win, right? And yet... We still have to put on the armor. We have to put it all on. We can, we can stand. We, we will stand with the armor on. So there's a, there's a classic book by uh, C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters. Anybody familiar? Anybody read that? Yeah, a few of you. Um, I would recommend it, uh, especially if you're thinking about this kind of battle that we're in and want to understand uh, a little bit more. So The Screwtape Letters is basically, it's this series of fictional letters that pass before, back and forth between this uh, head demon and this demon in training. And the, the demon in training is being coached along in how to effectively basically kill the relationship between this young Christian man and God. And so the younger demon tells what kind of things he's doing to distract and, and to defeat the young Christian, and the older demon is just giving him sage advice about the most effective ways to detour Christian lives. And so 
uh, the book, I think, it just gives this creative look at the links that our enemy will go in order to do just one thing, separate us from God. And I mention this for, for one reason, really, that Lewis points out that the enemy doesn't really require a lot of these huge flaming arrows to keep us from fully trusting God. His tactics, they're a lot more subtle. And oftentimes, um, they're much more effective than hitting us with the big guns. Like, two of his favorites are distraction and defeat. And they're effective specifically because we don't put on these two essential pieces of our armor, faith and salvation. If there's anything in this world that we should have absolute confidence in, like, no matter what is happening, it is God and the promises which are true in Jesus Christ. And our faith isn't able to fight off fiery darts because of our strength. It's because of God's strength. And our helmet isn't like securely fastened because of how, how tightly we're holding onto the straps. It's because no one can pluck us out of God's hand. When you, have, when you think about where our confidence should come from in our faith and in our salvation, our strength comes from our relationship with God, and, and it's pretty clear that God's doing his part. So we just need to do ours. Uh, a few weeks ago, a final installment was released in a story that, that I've been following for about 40 years, the Star Wars saga. Any other fans out there? I'm not going to bore you with the details. I'm not going to spoil anything, but you're probably in one of two camps, right? You either love Star Wars, probably more than I do even, or you could care less right? But that's not the reason I bring it up. The reason is, it's pretty simple. It's, this is an epic story, and it's really just the story about dark versus light, right? It's about good versus evil. That's really what it comes down to, which is kind of exactly what I've been talking about. We're not going to give anything away, but in case you haven't seen it, but throughout really the entirety of this story, like from beginning to end, this struggle, this drama has all been about this battle between dark and light like good versus evil, and at times, really, in fact, most of the time, it looks like evil is winning. There are very few points where it looks like the good guys are going to pull this off, and yet, the light is never extinguished. It's always holding on, and oftentimes, it's much more powerful than anyone really realizes. And this last part of Ephesians uh, it's really, it's sort of a battle cry. It's kind of like that speech that the commander gives the forces right before the troops are, are headed out onto the front lines. Just like one last reminder to stay in the battle, like never give up, that can't isn't an option. And most of us, we need that reminder on a, on a daily basis. In the movie, uh, The Rise of Skywalker, there's this character, and she utters this line. I, I think she could have taken it directly from the Apostle Paul. She says, they win by making you think you're alone. Satan, the father of lies, he, he loves nothing more than to cast doubt, to spread fear, and to make us feel alone. Th those are his tricks, right? And he knows that in our doubt, we lose focus. And he knows that our doubt leads to mistrust and ultimately to, to betrayal. But like I said, Satan doesn't have any new tricks. But to his delight, I'm sure, he doesn't, he doesn't need any because his old ones work so well. These sophisticated uh, tools of deception and lies. And even though we know that's what he does, we know it. Those tools still work. 
way I see it, we, we kind of have two paths, um, resistance or compliance. Uh, in the Star Wars saga, the, this band of good guys is, is known as the resistance and I think that parallel works pretty well for us as followers of Jesus because resistance is a, is a huge piece of what we're called to do. We're, we're to resist the schemes of the devil uh, and all the attempts he makes to deceive us. Paul calls it uh, perseverance. We need to hang in there. We've got to stay in the battle till the very end. And with the armor that God provides, we have all the equipment necessary to resist. We, we have what is needed to persevere. I think resistance requires at least three things. First is, like I said, that we're always moving forward. The enemy knows that we're most vulnerable when we're, we're lonely, we're tired, we're anxious, fear, all those things. When we experience those things, it's easy to lose focus on our faith and on our salvation. And we stop moving forward and, and we're exposed and open for an attack. And I think the way that we resist in those areas is just to make sure that we don't isolate ourselves. Because that is our temptation in those moments, is I need to do this alone. But when we stay engaged in community with our friends and with our church, uh, and most importantly, when we keep our relationship with God at the center of, of our lives, it fights those things off. Second thing that uh, resistance requires is continual growth, continual growth. I think too many of us are just satisfied. We're satisfied with where we are in our faith, in our lives. And I, I'm not here to say that, that we need to make any huge changes all at once, but, but God has called us to resist our tendency towards sin. And, and honestly, one of our most frequent sins is complacency. This is, this is where involvement in the body of Christ can be a huge help. Uh, especially a church like FBN that's creating pathways for all of its members. Everyone who attends here has a pathway to grow. You've been given opportunities, and you'll hear about them all the time, about ways that you can go from where you are in your faith to where God is calling you to be. They're making it easy for you. That's encouraging. You know, for too many of us, and probably for too long, we have this idea that, that faith, that's just an easy thing because all that means is you show up at church, show up at the building a couple times a week, uh, make sure you're checking the right boxes, make sure you know, you, everybody sees you and you look good and you know, you got a positive attitude and you're writing those checks regularly and it just in general, kind of being nice to everybody. As long as you got that, you're good. I think growth in our faith like anything else, it requires a real effort. Like it doesn't come easy. It's not, it's not as easy as checking those boxes. You know, and then the final element of a resistance, it really is community. We need, to be, we need to be checking up on each other's armor. Not just depending on, on me to make sure I got my armor on. I need you to make sure that I'm armored up. And I need to be doing the same thing for you. And I think the biggest problem is thinking we got to do this alone. Um, a couple words, I got to make sure I say this okay because there's a few of them in this room. But like some of the college students we work with, I would describe as like a couple of words I could describe them with, anxious and unsure. Obviously, it doesn't apply to any of you that are here today. We good? All right. So not only are they worried about like the big things, 
um, like important things like life decisions, like majors and, and school things and paying for it and relationships and things that, you know, kind of do. They naturally produce anxiety in us. They worry about so many little things, little decisions that should just be nothing. They get worked up about them and, and it just locks them up and they can't move forward and it, to the point where their day just gets overwhelming and they can't move on. You know, I, I think that's true for a lot of us, uh, depending on the day. But what they need, most of the time, they need someone to listen. And they need someone to remind them that, they all, that, that we all struggle and that they just need to let some things go. And that their helmet of salvation, it's covering them. Like you're covered. And if they would just have some faith, actually exercise that faith that they have, that it would shield them from some of the darts that they're just continually being pelted with. You need that, right? I need it. I know I do. You know, a big contributor to that, that reality is probably another couple words I could use are isolated and lonely. Uh, it's kind of the descriptor of our age is too many people are isolated and too many people are lonely. I, I don't have any huge answers to wow you with this morning to all these problems. In fact, there's probably not much I've said this morning about this armor of God that's like shocked or surprised you. Maybe how many times I've insulted Brett, but anyway. So as I see it, you got one thing that you need, uh, that I need, and what, it, what, what our students need is just regularly to be reminded you're not alone. You're designed for relationship. God set it up from the beginning. Like, look, look at Genesis 1. Before the fall, God said it's not good for man to be alone. He designed us for relationship, not only with him, but with one another. It's, it's like built into who we are. And why would we ever think that we could do this alone? I don't think there's huge things that, that we need to do. Do. It's like small shifts in our thinking and in our actions that could really make a huge difference. Like this one. So like a shield of faith, like my faith is great on its own, but how much more powerful is it when it's, it's locked in with that of others? You know, in every movie I've ever seen where there's a battle where they're in armor and have shields and there are arrows that are about to start flying, what do they do? They all get down together and they lock their shields together and they form this wall, like this invincible wall that protects all of them together. How much, uh, like how awesome a visual is that for what the church should be like? All of us locked together with our shields up, our faith strong and just ready to battle anything that Satan throws at us. That's the way the church is really meant to function. Shields up, protecting one another. One body, one mission. Like everyone working together would accomplish this mission with these interlocked shields. Like we are invincible to our enemy. This sort of micro shift with that, which accomplishes that is simple. It's really just the commitment to choose to focus our attention on others over ourselves. That's not anything new, is it? Jesus said the same thing. We tend to, I think, uh, we look for the darts uh, in the form of these really bad things, these really big things that are coming our way, like, like sickness or, or loss or opposition, like failure. And there's no doubt that our enemy will use those to distract us. And I don't need a show of hands this morning to know that some big arrows have been launched into your lives. 
But as Paul's, Paul's already shown us, like the shield to that is our faith. And for most of us, I don't think it's the huge darts hurled at us that draw us away from God. Those actually tend to drive us to God. Uh, our faith tends to repel those darts. The ones that get us, the ones that find the chinks in our armor are those subtle things, those small things, those distractions, those deceptions, those lies that get us off track. So really, by way of closing this morning, I just want to close with, with my heart, my prayer sort of for all of you, is that by being part of this church, part of this body, where you're challenged week after week to keep your focus on God, to grow in your faith, to do life together, and to, to, to love one another sacrificially, that you'll just continually be assured of your faith and of your salvation. And that out of that abundance, this like abundance of evidence of God's goodness towards you, not just shielding you from what Satan throws at you, but, but blessing all of you in such tremendous ways that you share together, that you will in turn help others find their own shield of faith and put on their own helmet of salvation. I, my prayer for FBN is that, that it will continue to be a powerful force for God's kingdom for the spread of the gospel right here in Terre Haute and so far beyond into the far reaches of the earth as the good news leaves this place on the feet of, of you all and goes out into this world. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for opportunity to be here to share this message. I pray it's been an encouragement uh, to hearts. Lord, I, I pray that if there's anyone in this room who's yet to make that decision to put on that helmet of salvation, uh, Lord, that they're still wandering, uh, sort of aimless, without direction, and ultimately without hope in this world, that they would see the need uh, for their own armor. Uh, God, that they would join in, in uh, the fight with this body against uh, the evil one who is only out to destroy them. Uh, so, God, I pray for, uh, for salvation to come. Lord, I pray for uh, this body just to continue to, to serve together, to love together, and to grow together. And, God, we just give you praise and glory and honor for all of that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.